0: Hi, it's Aaron. I'm your regular co host of First Bite. First of all, I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in and listening to First Bite. We've been incredibly encouraged and excited by the feedback we've received and are looking forward to the future. In the meantime, if you've been enjoying First Bite, please take a moment, maybe pause your device to subscribe, leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. This podcast started out with a small idea to bring convenient, tangible resources to SLPs and other professionals and we value your feedback more than anything. Leaving those reviews truly helps us out. Enjoy the episode, and thanks for listening. Hey, Erin, have you heard that we have a promotional code for speechtherapypd.com? I think I heard the same thing. Yes. So, <laughs> as if we both hadn't heard that. <laughs> but um, it's First Bite. So, if you log on to speechtherapypd.com and enter the promotional code First Bite, it takes $10 off an annual subscription. And, Aaron, do you that want to? That includes all the pod courses. Yes. And we have four now. I'm not sure if y'all knew that. We have four. We have we First Bite. Yeah, we do. It's Speech Uncensored. Um, And in case y'all haven't heard of this lovely lady, she focuses on adults. And I know that there's a fair few of you out there that PRN impedes and or PRN in adults. So be sure to check out Speech Uncensored. And it also includes the Speech Link and the SLP Now podcast with Miss Marisha, who I like, fangirl crush. She's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Okay. All right. So promo code is? First bite. Whoop. Whoop. And don't let it autocorrect you to B Y T E because it does it did that to me a couple times. So Woo-hoo. there it is. Woohoo! <laughs> Hi folks and welcome to First Bite fed, fun, functional resources for the pediatric clinician. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC SLP, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, in Town, South Carolina, and guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light and hope to the world for the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, best practice for running a private practice, and all the nitty-gritty details involving feeding and swallowing by interviewing the subject matter experts themselves. We bring the data to you. Every fourth episode, I am joined by the lovely Erin Forward, MSP CF SLP, a Yankee transplant who actually inspired this journey and who also walks the wild, woolly, and sometimes sticky walk of early intervention with us. Sit back, relax, and watch out for all the squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Today's guest is none other than the Char Bouchardt, M.A.C.C.C.S.L.P. She is that sweet Southern belle voice behind the speech link. Another amazing pod course brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. Now, I first met Char, I believe it was two years ago, at ASHA in LA. She has striking red hair, killer cheekbones, lightning bright eyes, and a quick Southern wit that immediately catches you and pulls you in. The best part? There is knowledge and strength to go with that full package. Char brings with her years of functional speech therapy experience from the world of pediatrics, especially the public schools. So we put our heads together and decided with the school year just kicking off this week, Well, for most of us, it starts Tuesday. And if you were one of the unlucky ones that started a few weeks ago, my deepest heartfelt apologies. He, 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 as I giggle mildly, well, I'm going to enjoy the last two days of my summer break. But we decided, I'm seriously going to enjoy these last two days, but we decided that this would be the perfect time to tackle that tricky topic of motivation, aka the how behind getting the loved one's caregivers, and families of our patients involved in the carryover of speech therapy strategies. Pretty sure that's a fabulous way to kick off a school year and kind of get yourself back in the groove. So, Char,
1: what motivates you, lady? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, that introduction. Wow. I have never... Yeah, I... That is... I've you just blow me away, girl. I've never heard anything like that. I just wish the heck that it was true, you know, but I will take it. I will own it and I will love it. And that is totally motivating. And I'm so excited to be here with you and to talk about motivation. I mean, don't we all need it in one way or another? And we need to know how to do it with our kids. So yeah, it's going to be totally fun. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. I, need, I need
0: something that motivates me more than coffee because I, 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 mean, I know I really can't get moving first thing in the morning without at least
1: two, sometimes three cups. Wow. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, I, well, I, I totally understand that. I do. And plus I, knowing you, Michelle, you have kids and dogs and, and, you know, UPS man coming. You got so much going on girl. So yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. You, uh, I, it, must Funny. be more than than uh, coffee because I don't know yeah. where you get your energy. It is quite amazing. Oh, so well, thank you. That, yeah. That's,
0: yeah. That's, that's that's probably a fair bit of Jesus
1: and a little bit of red wine. Yeah, yeah. There you <laughs> yeah. go. That's a great combination. But you that's know what? Uh, my passion is doing therapy, and you know I'm. You know what? I'm even going to back up and say I'm going to say that my passion is therapy whether it's doing it, learning about it, writing about it, and talking about it. So, you yes. know, I I have to say I'm a pretty narrow person. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I know about speech and language. You know, in fact, I know more about speech than I do language. So, and and I know a little bit about motivation and I thought I'd pass along what I do know. But um you know, in addition to what you said there, you know, and it's so interesting because I know you are from Southern California or or from um, South Carolina and I'm living in Georgia right now in the North Georgia mountains. I have a cute little cabin on the river. Yes. It's just wonderfully um, very peaceful (laughs) and very calm environment. And I love it here. We have cows grazing across the way and it's just, it's wonderful. But I was born and reared in Southern California. <laughs> so you just went from the South to the South. I did. But honey, there's a I did. bit of a difference from Southern California know, to right? South Georgia. Yeah, a little, <laughs> little bit of a difference. And I, I was born and reared in Long Beach, California. But here's the thing. See, this is probably where you got some of that. My daddy was from Texas and my mother was from Arkansas. And, you know, you can take the people out. Yes. And I grew up with Uh it. I mean, daddy slept on a pillar and, you know, and we (laughs) eat black eyed peas and, and turnip greens which I hated, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, that's Um, whatever. And so you just
0: haven't uh, had my turnip greens because I mean, I may eat pescatarian and light on the cheese, but um, let me tell you what, when I pull up my sleeves, I can make some really good greens, real good fat back, but you have to go get the fat back at the right place. Ah. And I know that there's somebody out there listening going, yep, there's a corner store in my hometown, but if you don't get, (laughs) back from the right place. It's not going to work. Are too <laughs> it's amazing. My cholesterol is not through the roof.
1: I'm just saying. <laughs> well, but you're eating well. <laughs> that sounds really eating good. Eating now? Yeah. yeah you're sound, you're <laughs> good. Mean, you're good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, so I, you know, basically I grew up in Long Beach and I went to school in Southern California at Loma Linda La Melinda University, last year campus. And then I left you know, went to Michigan, Western Michigan University for my master's. And I was so fortunate and so honored to have Dr. Charles Van Riper, you know, as my professor. Oh, my stars. Yes. Are you? Yes. Yes. And he was, you know, he's the first, people that don't know. He's basically the father of articulation. And I, yeah. but I sat at his right hand, literally during his stuttering class, so I should really know about stuttering and be able to work with stuttering cases that I really don't. You know, that's kind of, you know, we all have our specialty and that isn't,
0: that is not my specialty. It's okay. I had the pleasure of meeting um Craig Coleman who's the um incoming uh VP of uh planning for Asha yeah. and he's a stuttering guru uh-huh. and uh so I mean I'm still not going to treat it but uh I can <laughs> send us uh, folks I can send you to the right There we go that's,
1: that's <laughs> what's needed definitely Exactly. Yes. So yes. at any rate, yeah. so, you know, I, I did, I went back to California, Southern California, and I actually became an assistant professor at Loma Linda university and worked there also, um, after that several years in the public schools and in private practice. And then in the, in the early 1990s, I met Pam Marshala and, um, she had in, innovative concepts was her company and she inspired me and I started writing and doing seminars and so on. And then she did seminars for my, my company. And, you know, speech dynamics is still alive and well. Um, we went through some issues, the early two thousands, we had, um, you know, all sorts of financial issues and, and so on. We were embezzled and, you know, oh yes, stars. yes, went through all of that. Um, but since that time, you know, I have, I've continued to speak and, you know, work with, you know, with Darla through um, PD.com and through the Bureau of Education and Research. And, and you know, I've just done well over 1,200 seminars, one and two day seminars on articulation and language and it really is it is what motivates me and it is my passion and I love talking about it so that's what we're doing today yeah <laughs> yes, yes. And, and but
0: well um I, I if you if you need you should probably come to you know Columbia because I know a certain little bear that still has a few phonological error patterns that we're Okay. Um, okay.
1: I'm just saying I might want to bring him to the mouth. Okay. I mean, there you go. Come ahead. Come uh, ahead.
0: We yeah and um,
1: we'll have we'll oh. have some of that wine too. You know there's, uh, there's okay. nice vineyards around it. here. There's vineyards. So you know it's part of that motivational oh. package. Yes, that's that's okay. Okay, it's cold. Good. Uh, All right. Uh, okay. Let's jump okay. in. Where do you want so, to start? Well, what?
0: Um, what? How do we define motivation and how do I
1: go about getting some in the non-wine coffee form? <laughs> okay. This is going to be a therapeutic session, a little therapy here. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, you this, know what? It's kind of like where I where I like to start is kind of the definition of therapy. And then that will, will kind of slide into the definition of motivation. Okay. And th- here's my definition. This is me. You know, as a therapist, I've done quite a bit of therapy in my lifetime. So this is, you know, this is not textbook, (laughs) okay? But here's my definition of therapy. It is trying to encourage and compel or to get someone to do something that they can't do, okay? It is totally different from teaching. Today, I'm teaching. You know, when you do your podcasts and your seminars, you're teaching. It is totally different. Therapy is trying to get somebody to do something that they can't do. So it's much more involved, and motivation is at the core. Now, a quick de- definition of motivation, and we're going to flesh out motivation, and I've got all sorts of things to share with you. But motivation is basically instilling a desire or a reason to do something, instilling a desire or a reason to do something. Okay. Now we all do things that we don't like to do, but usually there's a reason to do them. <laughs> you know, and and if you are a, an adult type person, then you can surmount things that aren't fun and it goes into reason, you know. Um and as far as as in a typical therapy session, we try to make it fun. Ah We try to make the child desire to be there and also to follow through on the tasks that we're asking him or her to do. We're trying to generate a desire to do something. Now, we want to inspire them during our therapy. Also to do the, and I'm going to call it homework for now. I have some other, other things I call it. In fact, I call it homework or extra practice, or sometimes I even call it rehearsal. I like that one. rehearsal. Rehearsal. It's like, here, I want you to work on this and I want you to learn how to do this so that you can go home and rehearse it. So that when I see you next time, then you can do it and you can perform it for me. Isn't that exciting? And sometimes like you could take like a quick video of it and look at that quote quote's performance. So that's a whole nother way to to pull in motivation. And that works. (laughs) That works. I learned about that and, and using the term rehearsal when I was doing with my language kids in the schools and I was doing reader's theater and I didn't I never did a reader's reader's theater theater. oh reader's theater! oh my gosh oh we're gonna have to do a whole thing on reader's theater (laughs) (laughs) okay I'm like oh "Um, man I
0: kind of missed that part of therapy so like I could like fake it and yeah, pretend. I Yeah, no, know. What you're no, about no. Like, oh, I'm okay. All well, these probably
1: one or two people <laughs> that don't know what readers' theater is. So, I, you know, I, th- there is a, a, it's involved. Okay, but here's the bottom line: it's kind of like a play, but it's very, very different. And you know, you- <laughs> that is like two <laughs> like definitions. It They're totally is. You know, you don't have yeah. to memorize what you are reading. Now, you do have to be able to read. Sort of, although I have had kids do readers' theater where they are not readers. They take it home, I'll record it for them, and they will learn it without reading, but they'll be able to look at it and look like they are reading so that they can participate. Oh my gosh, that is super, super motivating. And readers' theater is like a little story with parts, and one kid does it, the other kid does it, and readers' theater.
0: It's round kind robin. of a round
1: robin, but it's a performance. You stand okay. up front, like in a line, like maybe you have three or four kids, and you um, stand up front, and you have your okay. paper or your book, and then you do your parts, and you can do the different. Yeah. That's where that's where my social
0: anxiety would kick in. Even as a kid, I would have to go tinkle at least twice before I stood in front of a room with a piece <laughs> of paper. I mean, like, and I, I do this stuff all the time, but like when people, like if I see somebody on the street and I'm like, oh God, I know the face. I don't know the name. And then I'm just like, oh, anxiety kicks in. <laughs> but yes, I remember okay. doing the reader's theater. But we Okay. Well, there
1: you go. Okay. There you go. Newer there name. Go. Got yeah. It's it. Yeah. totally fun. Yeah. But Kids are so motivated to do that, and they would take it home and learn it. And, you know, I had kids that it sparked their desire to learn to read, okay? I mean, I, the, the, one of the last years that I was at the, at the school here in North Georgia, um, a little school in Fannin County, wonderful, cute, sweet little school, sweet kids. And these fourth graders could not read, Okay. I didn't, lack of motivation, lack of ability, blah, 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 whatever, throw it into the, you know, there's several reasons. I put, I, I, I didn't know what to do with them. You know, they had some behavior issues and they didn't want to work, you know, doing language stuff was not exactly what they wanted to do. Okay. Because words were not their favorite. So we did Reader's Theater and they, especially one of them, it's like it ignited her desire to read. And she was off and running. And at the IEP, at the end of this school year, the dad came up to me, gave me a big hug and said, oh my gosh, you motivated my daughter to learn to read. Thank you. So, I mean, this is, you know, way off topic, but that is a motivation of if you are motivated, they do it. And we know that when they do, whether it's the, the activities that we want want them to do during therapy or whether outside of therapy for extra practice. When they do it, typically what we are doing works. And that's a whole other issue. You know, what are we doing? We want to make sure that what we are doing is working. Okay. Yes. But, you know, I'm just going to assume right now that we all know what we're doing, but to get the kids to do it is because we can do the absolute best therapy activity or slash lesson but if the kid isn't buying into it it's a moot point it's not going to happen it's not going to it's not going to, not going to cross that abyss and soak into that child so that the capability is enhanced and that the child is able to do whatever it is that we're asking him to do whether it's feeding whether it's imitate certain speech sounds whether i you know whatever it is whether it's working on some level of AAC, whatever it is, there has to be some level of buy-in. Otherwise, we're just doing really nice therapy, but we're spinning our wheels. You know what? Otherwise, we're teaching. And I'm not saying that teaching isn't, um, you know, effective. But in teaching, typically, you present the material, and you have a level of assumption there that whoever heard that or saw it is picking up on it. and learns is learning from it. But we don't have that luxury <laughs> to just make that assumption. So we have to pay extra attention to motivation. Hmm. I'm, I'm thinking
0: as as you're saying this, I got a text message from a mom. Um, who just sent me a video of her little one willingly eating for the first, like self eating, like willingly wanting to a year's worth of therapy. And she sent this video and I'm sitting here watching it like, don't cry, (laughs) but, um, Our motivation for this little one, I can't tell you how many times I sang peel banana, peel banana, peel, peel banana. Hey, we were not eating bananas. He was simply motivated because I sang silly, cheesy songs. Like who let the dogs out? I cannot sing, (laughs) but like it was, that was his motivation. And he'd had a lot of different therapies and it was a lot of teaching. He knew the concepts. He knew how to chew. He knew how to lateralize. He knew yeah, I mean, like the motor components of PO intake, but it was the desire. Mm-hmm. So you are so right. And I just can't get over how perfectly timed yeah. wow. that message was. Yeah. So,
1: okay. So on yeah. that
0: note, well, and you
1: know what, yeah, because what just- you described there with peel, the banana is that kid, that kid <laughs> liked you. That kid likes you. You know,
0: yeah, I'm a I'm a giant yeah. cartoon in motion are- when I do therapy. Somebody made that yeah. comment. They were like, if you can't hack it as a speech path, you could always be a stand up <laughs> comedian. I was like, I don't know if that's like a you know a slight little subtle backhand. here. No, like, I'm that's sure legit. that's legit. That's <laughs> but- legit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If this little speech therapy gig doesn't uh, work for you, yeah, then you have a backup. Yeah. Okay. About uh, it. No doubt. No doubt. Okay, but the kid okay. liked uh, you and liked being there. Um, and you merged the two with the capability and the desire. Also, I'm hoping that that kid liked bananas. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of important too, you know, to find out what it is that they. What, what tastes good? I mean, food is certainly a motivator for me. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. But food is, is you know, that whole taste and the texture of food and, you know, the how com- I mean, comfort food. I've been on chocolate here for a few days. Okay. And, you know, it's a real comfort food to me. That's a motivator, you know? But, yeah. Now, did the kid like bananas? Um, he he loves it. It was just, um, it was the act of
0: touching to bring it in. Um, and we also have some significant fine motor delays and a lot of GI issues that are over the last year finally getting resolved. And it's just, um, it's yeah, um, if, if the baseline health and the true etiology has not yet been discovered feeding therapy okay. can't take place but i mean like successfully and like that's okay. been a huge component is getting the child to the point of healing and so yes. it, it's been a mighty powerful year in this little booger butts life um, oh, but yes. as, as he said i'm demand <laughs> yeah oh, all right but yes. world number one for the podcast i really yes. think i'm gonna start keeping a squirrel chart for how many times my ADD kicks in <laughs> Hey, I'm not sure if you've caught the updates yet, but I have the pleasure, if you haven't seen it already, of announcing the 2020 Speech Therapy PD.com Conference at Sea. We are going aboard a Royal Caribbean Alaskan cruise departing Vancouver, British Columbia, July 10th through 17th of 2020. And I am thrilled and humbled to be announcing that I will be presenting. I have a a three hour course, a two hour course, a one hour course, and I'm co-presenting another three hour course. And my co-presentation will be with the one and only Lee Ann Porter of Speech Uncensored, which is Speech Therapy PD's newest adult Pod course podcast that just added to our lineup, and Marisha Mcgordy, the guru behind SLP Now, will also be there. And if you register before September 30th, then you get a free six month subscription to SLP Now. So again, make sure that you register before September 30th of 2019 for the speech therapy PD. Conference at sea, um, which is July tenth through seventeenth of twenty twenty, and I cannot wait to see y'all aboard a ship where we're gonna see real life bears and like hopefully we'll get to see northern lights. So whoop whoop! See you at sea. Bye. And to get us back on track, um,
1: because you know I could chase that bunny rabbit, yeah. but um, you know you know what? Before you get us on track, hold that thought. Okay. Got it. Um. Okay. There's a word I want to throw out here. Okay. And that is the word obstacles. Because as you're talking, you know, I mean, you have a child there that has some serious problems. Okay. And maybe they haven't, you haven't discerned what the etiology is or whatever, but you have other kids that have similar problems. And then there's other kids, you know, all the way to the kid that has an R. Okay. And there is some obstacle or there are obstacles. And that child's obstacle was the sensory piece. So we have our, our work cut out for us there. And so we have to bring on the big guns as far as therapy and motivation to surmount that obstacle. And then that little baby boy has, you know, some issues. There's some, some, you know, physiological issues there. And, and it sounds like digestive issues. Those are all obstacles. And all of us. No matter what case we are working with, all of our cases have obstacles. And I'm even going to go out on a limb and say our, quotes, functional ARTIC kids. Because, you know, you have some fourth grade kid that can't say R. Well, it's not like he hasn't heard it. For You know what I'm saying? Billion ways. Eight, yep. eight gazillion. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. The child would say it if he could or she could all right? It's not that they're hearing it wrong. They would say it if they could. There is some obstacle there. Now, maybe the obstacle for that child is, you know, an R is just not exactly, you know, the most visible speech sound. Maybe the kid doesn't know where to put his tongue. Maybe that's the obstacle. Um, also with our kids, there is a sensory issue with many our kids. Many of the R kids that I've worked with, have hyposensitivity intraorally. I mean, you can jam a tooth at halfway down their throat and they don't gag. Lack so, of gag reflex.
0: Uh, it's a normal lack- variant and up
1: to a third of the population. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, this kid, you know, many of my ER kids don't have that. And I'm thinking that with many of my ER kids, and since ER is basically a back tongue sound, now many people curl the front, but you still have to nail the retromolars, the retromolar pads behind the top back teeth. You still have to nail that in those areas with the back quotes, corners of your tongue where you do nail that area for K and G. That I love is that. your stabilization.
0: You're describing this, and I haven't done arctic therapy in so long that I'm actually doing it in my mouth while you're yes. describing it, thinking, oh, my
1: child is rusty. <laughs> yeah. well, but that, see, that could be an obstacle. So mm-hmm. in our therapy, we're always looking for, where's the obstacle? There's an obstacle somewhere, or else development would have happened. And I love it that, you know, when you're working with a two or three or four-year-old child, that you are still in that developmental range, you know, you're still in that developmental wave, you're still riding that wave, and you try and maximize that wave as much as possible and surmount those obstacles. And a lot of that, I mean, that's that's like doing good therapy, but at the base of good therapy is motivation. Otherwise we're just otherwise we are just doing good therapy. (laughs) But it's not crossing over. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, that's
0: fine. Perfect. Okay. All right. So then question number two. Mm -hmm. What are some strategies that you use to encourage motivation to assist our kiddos loved ones in implementing their quote unquote speech therapy, homework, or as you
1: referenced it,
0: rehearsals?
1: hmm Okay. Mm-hmm. Woohoo. All right. That is a huge, huge task. Um, you know, I really believe that motivation to do all of the homework and all of that kind of thing comes before we even start therapy with our kids. It comes when we are meeting with the parents or we're meeting with the teachers or whoever we're meeting with where... And I love it because I know, Michelle, you go out into the homes mm-hmm. and you get to see the child in their natural environment and you get to see parents and kids interact and vice versa. The parent gets to see you interact with the child. So you, that, you are building that level of, of um, trust that... Okay, that lady knows what she's doing, or that man knows what he's doing. That she's going to be helping my child. That my child likes her. And also during those times, and maybe it's you're maybe you're in the home, maybe you you know they're coming to a hospital or a clinic setting. Maybe you're at an eligibility meeting in the schools or an IEP meeting. Wherever it is, you are meeting, and a meeting is a wonderful time to plant those seeds of trust, but also to plant seeds of teamwork. There has to be teamwork. You're not a magician. (laughs) I'm not a magician. Okay. All right. After 40 plus years of therapy, No, no, I figured out I'm not a magician. It does not work that way. Please tell me you've
0: seen that sign at the beauty parlor that says, I'm a beautician, not a magician. Yes.
1: Yes, yes. my hairdresser has that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I, like I like that. I like that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yes, we can't snap our fingers, you know. And and it's just, and it's kind of unfortunate that we're not, though, because in this day and age, we want to drive through and get our hamburger, you know, and then we're going to eat it and move on to something else. And we're going to, you know, I mean, I hate to stand there for thirty seconds as my food's heating up in the microwave. I mean, everything is supposed to happen quickly, right? I mean, we do tweets on Twitter. And I mean, how many characters is it supposed to be? And we're supposed to, you know, share our life story. And, you know, what is it? 148 or so? I don't even know. I'm not on the Twitter bird. There's too much okay. anger
0: in the Twitter bird yeah. universe. So yeah. I, I stick to cute pictures and Pinterest. So. Okay. There you go. That, that's yes. pretty much me. But too
1: there's joy. a lot of people. Yeah, exactly. And that, but a lot of people are on there and they, there's an expectation of, oh, it's got to be quick. Oh, how long is this going to take with my child? And, you know, a lot of parents realize, especially with the kinds of kids that you work with and a lot of people work with, where you have more obvious obstacles, more, you know, the obstacles are obvious. There's a medical issue or some kind of a trauma. That's an obvious issue. But when you're working with, you know, the third grader that can't say an R or an S or still has multiple r or phonological issues... Ooh, it's not so obvious. And, you know, those parents have expectations of, okay, you're just going to fix my kid in the school, right? How long is it going to take? Just a few months? Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, so it's almost like, I don't want to say there's a benefit there, but as long as the parent knows that there are obstacles, then I think the teamwork piece um, is easier um, to, to explain to them which means you're gonna get better compliance you're going to get better help from them. Technically, it doesn't always work that way. We all know that. But technically, it works that way. And I love the word teamwork. You know, that I I am, you know, I'm figuring out here what's going on with your child, and that I am going to do the best therapy that I can. And I'm going to motivate your child, but I need some extra help at home. And here's what you can do. And one of the things, and maybe, maybe you're, you're asking them to to do the same thing in therapy, you know, that you're doing in therapy, but maybe not. Maybe you're just asking them to repeat, you know, to imitate what the child is saying. A lot of parents don't know to do that, especially with nonverbal kids. You that's know, they, the coaching. That's
0: where we have to do the coaching and in early intervention. That's that's the big push um, within the EI model is doing coaching and getting the families involved from the beginning. Yes. Yes. With the caveat being it's not always just the family. Sometimes it's the nurses. And sometimes coaching goes both ways where like they update you with like what's happened with the kid in the week and they coach you on new changes. Like I had (laughs) a million years ago when I did therapy one day in the public schools. We're sitting around and I was attempting to do my version of Arctic therapy, the humble thoughts that those are. And one of my little guys was sitting at the table and he was just blue. And I said, Bubby, what's going on? And he goes, Well, my dad moved out. And I said, Okay. He goes, We were making pancakes. And Mama found the neighbor lady's drawers in the back drawer, and all the pancakes went out the front door. And we didn't get no pancakes, but we all went to the Waffle House and had good bacon. And I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) I mean, he's really excited about the good bacon from the Waffle House. But I was like, I'm sure it's all going to work out. But, like, that was a variable. That was an obstacle because – I mean, you know, a lot can shake yeah. out in, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. oh, I know I exactly. can imagine was, you know, that whole vignette
1: playing yeah. out of my head. Oh <laughs> but, man, that there was an unforeseen oh. obstacle. <laughs> a huge obstacle. I mean, and I have worked in, I'm going to say lower socioeconomic areas, sweet, sweet people. And then also, you know, working in California for so many years, we had, you know, a lot of, of um, English language learner type kids that were, um, delayed and, and, you know, I mean, just a lot of issues are going on at home and that impacts, I mean, oh my gosh, yes. I bet we both have stories beyond, (laughs) and there are lives that no kids should lead. No children should go through some of these things that the kids go through And, and, you know, and yet here I am (laughs) working, you know, little pull out session or whatever. And, you know, we're working on this, this speech or language stuff. And, you know, sometimes that's a good thing because, you know, I try in therapy to get to, you know, to do what the child is able to do and then push that a little bit. So hopefully the child has some level of capability. I'm not giving him all things that he can't do. So hopefully there's some nice positive things going on there too. Plus, therapy is small group, or sometimes, if you're fortunate, one-on-one. And kids love that. They love Mm -hmm. it. But yes, sometimes those opposites are physical, sometimes they're emotional. And you know, here's the thing. And I'd kind of where I'd like to go with the next piece. Is and we've all heard about intrinsic motivators and extrinsic motivators, and I'd like to talk about that for a while. Perfect, um, go for it. yeah, yeah. Um, to get to the heart of motivation, um, motivation is emotional. It just is. And so, you know, you mentioned that you have this child who had this emotional situation and, you know, it all was kind of, you know, solved with bacon, <laughs> you know, or at least he's trying to look at it from so that Rarely solved with bacon. Exactly. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Bless his heart. He wasn't, yeah, we, okay, we could go into that, but we will want, but it's, it's emotional. Motivation is emotional and intrinsic motivation is much stronger a much stronger motivator than extrinsic and intrinsic motivation is more internal and extrinsic is more external and I'll talk about that but Michelle I have a question for you okay what motivates you professionally professionally yes we're we're, we're beyond wine now I, and coffee uh, I'm,
0: okay and thinking we to a word this um Give me the little one that no one knows what's going on. Give me the child, the least of these. Give me the kid that, um, there's all these variables, but physicians are struggling to connect the dots. Um, families are frustrated and I have been blessed and I know that it is a blessing to be able to um, see things and see the world from a holistic perspective. And I know it's odd and my approach is somewhat unorthodox. My current intern saw me doing an eval. She goes, I've never seen an eval like that. Why do you ask questions like that? Where did you learn that? And I'm like, it just, it connects in my head. But that, I want I want the hardest, toughest cases. Um, and I love helping put the puzzle pieces together and watching that joy in that journey. It is so awe inspiring to me. And when folks like, honestly, when y'all call, um, and a shout out to my sweet friend, Adrian out in Kansas, cause girls getting hitched. I do believe in a month, um, <laughs> when, um, Going when folks call, yeah, mm-hmm. but when they call me with questions, it helps build my evidence-based triangle to, and that motivates me watching, Watching the resolutions come, but it's, God, it's beautiful. Yeah. 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 Although along the way, I may drop a couple F-bombs and get frustrated, but that's because sometimes it makes me frustrated when people just don't make referrals or seek second opinions and not the patient's family members, but like certain physicians, because I have um, um, petite lady racks that are what they are Um, in the deep, deep South. Physicians think that my opinion counts for not because of them and- Ugh, I don't no. appreciate sexism, but that's a conversation. That's like such a conversation for wine, but not today.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I digress. Out of, the scope. Out of the scope. That's right. Out of the that's scope. Right. Not my job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, when you first started, you know, talking about that, I'm thinking, okay, challenge motivates her. Mm-hmm. You know, the challenge of it and that and it sounds like that's an undercurrent and then i heard you go move into or transition into contribution mm-hmm. you are contributing to that I child's welfare know. and contributing to the parents and you're enhancing that child's life i mean you know communication is is it you know, I mean, I've talked with parents and I know that you have too, you know, and, and, and I never worded it this way, but this is what I meant. Do you want your child, would you rather have your kid walk or be able to talk and communicate? Well, you know which one they always chose. I want my kid to be able to communicate. Yep. And I'm not saying I I phrase it in that. Sorry to all the physical therapists out there. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, PTs. Sorry, PTs. I mean, walking is extremely important and OTs, you know, everything OTs do very, very important. But man, communication is huge. I mean, Mm -hmm. parents live for the day when they hear a mama or a dada. I or they they live for those times. Or they live when the child is able to produce a coherent sentence, you know, complete with nice vocabulary and syntax, and you can understand them. And you can carry in a conversation with them, and they don't, you know, loop around 10 times. They they land the plane, you know, with their topic. I mean, there's, communication is huge. So, you know, we all, and I think probably the biggest motivator for most Speech pathologists, maybe even most therapists, PTs, OTs, maybe even physicians, is contribution that we are contributing. And that is a huge, a deep, important emotional piece, okay? That we are contribution. That is. Intrinsic motivation, over and above the paycheck. <laughs> yeah. Paycheck? You mean we get paid? Because I'm pretty sure I might have missed that part of the deal. <laughs> we need to talk, girl. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. You the wine and the coffee and the chocolate. Yeah, yeah, the uh, yeah, yeah.
0: I just uh I remember enduring Key Pro season in the month of June of 2019 in the state of South Carolina. Key pro season. And if anybody has ever gone through key pro season, you too understand. It's where the last six weeks prior to the end of the fiscal year where you have to do extra paperwork on a biweekly basis to get three more units of therapy. So Key pro season, but continue. yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't
1: know what that is. I don't think I want to know.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm not any other tomato as
0: you listening is like I commiserate. <laughs> yeah, I'm not
1: moving there. Okay, well, your yeah. intrinsic motivator, you know, is is your intrinsic motivator contribution, challenge, all of those things. Guess what? Intrinsic motivation is what motivates and moves our kids as well. Now we do extrinsic motivators. And, you know, we give them, um, you know, maybe it's we make the check mark or we give them the stickers or there's the charts or there's the, you know, whatever. Maybe it's the banana. <laughs> That's an entr- extrinsic motivator. You know, whatever it is. I mean, we do extrinsic motivation. But what I'm suggesting is, wow, be sure to add the intrinsic piece and here's it here's a little bit about the intrinsic motivation intrinsic is probably at the strongest for our kids when they discern and acknowledge that they're making progress
0: i am proud of myself yes. that's a quote that i use with one of my little ones the one that sent yes. the video and Getting him to understand when we have those bites, when we willingly feel, I am proud of myself. And I was never a cheerleader, but my seventh grade biology teacher, Ms. Bucky. Ms. Bucky was an honest to goodness Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders back in the day, right? Um, yeah. Prior to being a seventh grade biology teacher, <laughs> that was odd, but I used her hand gestures. I mean, it helped me dissect a frog, but that particular little one, we I am proud of myself. Yes,
1: yes. that's mm-hmm. what it is. That's what it is. And, you know, and, and at the very core of that, and, and this is tricky, but our kids need to know what they need to do. And Mm. what they need to be able to accomplish, they need to know that yes, and I hate to say this, that something's not right, something's wrong. You know,
0: it's okay to admit
1: that we have something wrong, but because we all got it,
0: yes, but with the admittance, offer the
1: solution for resolution. Right, exactly, exactly, and 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 it's you know all of therapy is a process it just is it's a process that something it's something that happens over time you know it's not it's not immediate and sometimes our kids that we are working with need to know it's slow process it's a slow process it's not immediate and but here's you know and and i i love it when i mean i when i am able to steer the child into discovering what he is now able to do maybe his capability has been improved in a certain area maybe it's feeding you know this banana kid oh my gosh i mean that's a wonderful way to to generate a tangible um sense of improvement and you know like i do oral i do lots of things orally you know and and the stuff they can they can they do is very visible So yes, I work on speech sounds, but sometimes that's hard to hear and hard to discern, but they can see, they can hear, or they can feel what's going on inside of their mouth, you know, for the most part. And that's what I want to call to their attention. Do you feel the sides of your tongue and the sides of your teeth? You didn't feel that last time, did you? (gasps) Take a look with the mirror. Oh, I'm going to do it with mine too. Oh, I feel mine. Oh, let me do that. Let me stroke the sides of your tongue and the sides of your teeth. Do you feel that? Close your eyes. Feel that. Do you feel, oh my gosh, what what's going on in there? And then I want them to tell me, oh, you didn't do that last time. Oh my gosh. See? So I, I think it is so important, yes, that they have those small increments of improvement that accumulate over time. And that's why I really like to do this stuff with the mouth. Because if I'm just working on a sound... The sound of the sound, you know, if I'm doing that type of therapy, um, you know, that may not happen for months, but I maybe can get that kid's tongue in place, maybe resting position, maybe focusing on the sides of the tongue and the sides of the teeth for stabilization. Maybe we can generate that and the child has made progress there and has acknowledged it. And that's going to move us on to the next level because progress begats progress motivation begets motivation. And that's the process. It's small increments of improvement that accumulates over time. So, okay. So that, that that intrinsic motivation piece, there's a few other things that I'd like to talk about. And these are things that that I've used with my, you know, like my elementary age kids. Okay. You can use it. You can use it with cognitively aware kindergartners, first graders, second graders, third graders, and maybe cognitively aware, but maybe physically challenged kids. Okay. But there has to be some way that they can understand this information because I'm going to talk about doing videos or audios and questions. And I call these things, generating leverage. Leverage is a form of intrinsic motivation. Leverage is deeper, actually, <laughs> than intrinsic motivation. Or let's just say it's a part of, okay? It's emotional buy-in. It's emotional buy-in. And it's it's using videos and or audios for that person to discern and figure out and discover that yeah there's a problem there and i'll use i'll use as an illustration um this was a hundred years ago so i'm actually going to give the kid's name his name was was um well I'll, I'll change his first name his name was daniel but i'm just going to give his last name because i love his last name daniel Kulachi. Isn't that a great Italian name? He was this little Italian kid, this little, I loved this kid, little kindergarten kid, Daniel Culacci. And he was, he was this bright little kid, you know, he was just this, you know, super energetic and, you know, loved coming to speech. And, you know, I tried to give him, you know, some, you know, homework, extra practice, extra practice, rehearsal type of things. And he would take it. But he didn't do it. And you know, and I'm I'm I I do something called the accountability loop, which I can talk about later. But but that's where you're contacting the parent and so on. So, you know, I was doing all this stuff trying to get this kid, you know, jazzed up to do a little extra practice because I knew he could do it. And so I thought one day, okay, I'm just gonna audio tape this kid. And this was back in the days of of cassette tapes. So I taped this kid, he and I carried on a conversation. And then I played it back to him. And this kid's face was like, oh, no. And he said, Danami, Danami. And he would not acknowledge initially that that was him on the tape. That's not me. He. Oh, was, I was trying to figure out what you were saying, and I couldn't see. understand. He was saying, <laughs> that me. That's what he yeah, said. Don't do our ticket <laughs> phonology therapy. <laughs> it's, not, it's an artic <laughs> <tech> thing. Yeah. Danami. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, D for T. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. okay, I'm with you now. <laughs> oh, my God, I swear it's I'm a speech t- therapist. Really? I mean, I'm legit, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, oh, he, Lord. he didn't think it was him on that audio, mm-hmm. and he didn't acknowledge it, and I kept, playing. I'm going, oh, yeah, remember when you said this, this, and this? And Oh, there I am. I came, okay, remember when we did that? And he's looking at me like, and he wasn't in tears, but he was like just floored. He was flabbergasted. And he sat there and he's like thinking, oh, my gosh, I sound like that to other people. And the lights went on. Yes. This kid was done, finished, out of therapy by the end of the school year. That's what it took for him. But he had no clue. And there are a lot of our kids that have no clue, (laughs) you know, we're just assuming, you know, that they know that there is a problem and that somehow, you know, we need, and, and I, you know, I want to back up here a little bit. I am a proponent of having children in the eligibility meetings in the schools. I'm a proponent Mm -hmm. of that. Now, if if there's a huge language issue in the school, psych is in there, and it's going to be like an hour and a half meeting, then probably not. But if it's an RTIC or or an AAC or you know something that is more tangible, then I am a total proponent of the child being in there. I want that child to see and hear. We are all there for you. You are the most important he, person here in this meeting, and we're all focused on you. And I, I just, th- you know, and I have had the absolute best results when kids know this is a serious thing. This is not, you know, in the schools, this speech therapy thing is not just another stop in the course of my day. That's like the equivalent of me. When I do like,
0: um, push-ins and like, if I'm going to a daycare classroom and I have a picky eater, Mm -hmm. um, and I use that term super loosely because there's no such real thing as like a picky behavioral feeding eater only. Mm -hmm. And folks remember feedingmatters.org, true behavioral feeding aversions only happen in two to 3% of the population. So go figure out why they're being a quote unquote picky eater. Exactly. But when. But when I do that, I get, um, normally it's the first time they've been encouraged, um, within like the little, um, uh, you know, like most daycares, everybody eats the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, they bring it out kind of like the class, the school cafeteria. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so, you know, I'll sit down and, you know, prearrange it with the daycare director and I'll eat whatever they're eating. I mean if it's meat, I won't eat it, but like, you know, otherwise I will. Right? right. And, and getting, and just having them watch another adult break bread with them at the little tiny table. And, you know, I wear the baked beans and, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a lot of Bush's baby, oh, so like, but like oh. that, that, that's an extrinsic motivator because it brings it around to them that intrinsically, they're you know, if it's something that they can safely eat and there's no known food allergies, it helps set them for success. Right. And then they get motivated intrinsically because it makes them aware that I don't have to just eat what was specially prepared for me at home, or <sighs> yeah.
1: Yet. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. I love I that. I this. love that. And I know our time is is like just I know. Reading. I'm, I'm reading the totally. time police. I know. Yes. I know. You know what? Can I quickly I'll just quickly say because the leverage piece, I'll wrap up the leverage. Yes. Can I do that? Okay. So yes, the leverage has the audio, the okay, the yes. audio or the video, and then there's leverage questions. And one of the questions is in what ways does your speech problem affect your life? You know, like mm-hmm. the class and the playground at home. Okay, and you can you can take that eight hundred different directions. Here's another leverage question, and and what? And I have done this. I can't tell you the number of times I've done this. What will happen, and how will you feel if you do not change your speech? Mm-hmm. Okay? And then you turn it to the positive end, positive side. What will happen, and how will you feel when you do? Change your speech. Mm-hmm. See? And so, because this motivational piece, you can look at it from we're just doing it in therapy to get them through that time and to hopefully maybe do a little extra homework or extra practice or rehearsal. Okay. But you also have the long haul. Mm-hmm. This is over months, maybe years for some kids. And the leverage questions can be brought back into therapy and, and I call it keeping motivation buoyant, you know, keeping mm-hmm. it bubbling to the surface. And you can use those motivation questions. See, and and the answers and the things that the kids <gasps> said. See, so okay, all right, I love that. Yes,
0: okay, yes. Right, so the last question oh. with like a couple of minutes to spare. Oh, okay, um, this is one of my favorite. Where are some natural environments that we can recommend that families, caregivers, um, loved ones, or even the kiddo can use their newly developed motivational strategies?
1: Okay, all right, well, um, here's the thing, I, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, a lot in the schools. You know, Mm -hmm. and well, there's a lot of environments in the schools, a lot of environments in the schools. And, you know, as far as individuals helping the kids to do the practices, sometimes the teachers will help, and which Mm -hmm. means that you do collaborate with that teacher. Also, mm-hmm. another great one is, you know, the assistants or the aides in the, in the classrooms, maybe even mm-hmm. parent volunteers or para pros, of which I really try and, and give them specific things to do or not do in some cases. Um, <laughs> even I have done something when I was in Riverside, I had about a hundred kids on my caseload. And how um, is that legal? Well, you know, that was back in the dark ages, girl, you know. Okay. Um, All yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. All right, can and, you? sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. I no. Okay. All right. mm-hmm. Everything's relative, you know. I... Okay. So anyway, when I was in, in, um, in Southern California and one of my schools that I was at, I had a large caseload. And I had heavy Arctic, okay, lots of Arctic kids. And I, and yet we had three self contained classes and I had lots of language kids on my, on my caseload too. And I thought, oh, crumb, I've got to get these kids through. So I created something called the bucket brigade. And, you know, I, and so at any rate, there's a whole sequence of how to, um, Uh, you know, send out the, the request to parents and how you interview them and you TB test them and fingerprint them and you get letters of confidentiality contracts and how you train them. And I mean, I went through the entire thing and I used to have a product um, called the bucket brigade. And I'm thinking about resurrecting it this summer because I've had people ask for it, but I had 10 great parents come through and practice with the kids at school. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, also I had high schoolers come and, you know, they got course credit for now the high schoolers worked right oh, alongside the med program. Yes. Like a cross. Yes. Road. Yes. And they worked any, anything that's extra practice, extra time, extra work for the child to do the tasks. The bottom line is I was in that school for three years. And when I left, there were less than 50 kids on the caseload and we cranked them through. OK, yes. so you do whatever you have to do, whether it's working with the teachers, working with with parent volunteers, with para pros. And of course, you structure that situation so that it's legal and appropriate and it's it's going to be it's going to work. OK, um, and also another thing to do if you're in the schools is to do it in your therapy room. Add on five minutes. Do an addendum and add five minutes to your IEP, and the kid comes in at the end of recess, and you have a little separate room, and the kid comes in and does the practice while you're doing other therapy. So my bottom line is, and and I know you know you're you're I'm hoping that you'll talk with us about you know doing extra practice at home. But when you're in the schools, you can, you can generate extra practice. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't, you don't have to just rely on that child following through and doing it at home. Okay. All right. So, what do you do, Michelle, for your so, kids at home?
0: Uh, um, practice. Well, I had one thought on the schools. A million years ago, when I worked in the public schools, our school nurse was um, the motivator for my speech kids because she always kept snacks. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> Only in the south, right? So no, um, no, no, no.
1: Yeah, anywhere in the in the in the yes. world. Okay, food is a motor. Yeah.
0: and and um, that was uh, we would sneak down there, and they would have to practice conversational turn taking. You know, right. kiddos that um um on the spectrum but higher functioning um, uh, you know, and southern colloquial regional variation that is a firm handshake, stand with your shoulder square, all the pragmatics. Yes. Um and I had one little one um who was not as high functioning and her biggest motivator was that was easy. And the school secretary had the staples button. You remember the staples buttons that like they were bright red. Yes. And if you pushed it, it was that yeah, yeah, that was so she would go through and practice conversational turn taking just so that she could put the um, with the office staff and I saw her twice a week, nice. and twice a week, we would go through and ask, you know, conversational samples, what's going on, how are we doing, blah, 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 Good. just to push the, that was easy button. Yeah. And, um, love okay. It. So I love it for me, natural environments in the home. Um, uh, I have done therapy in homes, in yards, um, in daycares. I have had natural environments, um, actually be considered outpatient speech clinics attached to rural hospitals because it's the closest thing that, um, I mean, when you're covering a super large area and you're the only speech pathologist for maybe 40 square miles, (laughs) that could be a natural environment. Mm -hmm. Uh. Grocery stores. I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a grocery Mm. store. You can get a lot more vocab done in a grocery store. There you go. As well as the experience and the exposure to where the food comes from. Yeah. Um, There's a local cafe right down the street that I'm itching to do a um, therapy session at. But um, she does on the site job training for children that have autism and um, intellectual disabilities that are high schoolers. and. Um, it's Steffi's it's called the local buzz and she actually has children of her own grown children that have autism spectrum disorders mm-hmm. and they go through and they'll make a meal and they'll oh. prep and they'll clean and they'll bust tables. And we talk about what we're doing and cool. we do executive functioning and Chick-fil-A. Yeah. Um, waffle French fries in their Chick-fil-A sauce.
1: Yeah. yeah. Our- I- yeah.
0: That is yeah.
1: fantastic. Yeah.
0: But where your family goes, where that child goes, those are all examples um, of their natural, of the natural. environment. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. There's there's a fantastic gym called the Awesome Gym, and they have like inexpensive Mumber monthly packages and allow therapists to go for free. Ooh. And I think that's awesome. That is so. I mean, we can go in and do therapy and up, on, over, in, out, uh-oh, fall down, pick up. Oh, oh no. Wow. And then after all that, you need to eat. I am thirsty. I am hungry. I need a snack. And just, you know, yeah. the list goes on. Yes. But um, also, I can't sit
1: still. So like the gym is a fantastic. Perfect. <laughs> all of those are very, very motivating. I absolutely yeah. love it. Terrific. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, so
0: Shar, if yes, someone ma'am. listening wanted to learn more from you, how can they reach you? Cause I feel like I know a fantastic place that they may listen to you at, but, um, and full disclosure mm-hmm.
1: folks, we have that fantastic place in common, but, um, how can they reach you? Darling? Oh yes. Well, I do have a website and it's called speechdynamics.com. And on there um, is my weekly blog called Therapy Matters, and you can sign up. I'll send it out to you uh, via your email. Um, also, I do have some information on there about my podcast, and it's called The Speech Link. Um, also, okay. I go out and do seminars Quite frequently, I used to do many more, so I've kind of cut back, but I will go to your school district or to your private practice or wherever you want me to go to. Um, You know, if you have seven people or 700, Um, you know, and I have several books on there uh, and articles and things. So there's a lot on there that you can glean and that's free. In fact, I have um, lots of of free materials, therapy materials and so on on there. So yeah, and and you can email me at, um, I'm going to give you my Yahoo. It's just easier. It's Char, C-H-A-R underscore Boshart. And it's B as in boy, O-S-H-A-R-T at yahoo.com.
0: Perfect. Awesome. Well, Shard, thank you. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And hold the line real quick. I'm going to switch this over to questions. Okay. okay? Thank
1: you. Bye.
0: I have an update from feedingmatters.org. Are you trying to find a provider near you who routinely and frequently evaluates and treats pediatric feeding disorders? Feeding Matters provider deck direct. Just kidding, Chad. You got to scratch that one. (laughs) I should not record at the end of the day. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. Michelle Dawson, you're all things peds SLP here. And I have a solution to a problem that probably frustrates you because Lord knows it frustrates me on at least once or twice a week. So here's the solution. Are you trying to find a provider near you who routinely and frequently evaluates and treats pediatric feeding disorders? Well, Feeding Matters Provider Directory is the tool that you need. It's comprehensive, easy-to-use database of feeding centers and healthcare professionals. The provider directory allows you to search by location and filter by services offered, preferred specialist, and diagnosis. Start your search by visiting bit.ly backslash, back I swear I'm going to get that thing right, uh, FM provider directory. And make sure that you submit to be listed too. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I am your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things PEDS SLP.